three hello and welcome to another exciting episode of shading the culture i am sophia i'm navraline and this is joe Guess what, y'all? We have a guest today. Our guest is none other Woo-hoo! than the one and only hey, everyone. David Miller. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. Okay, to give a little background on David, um, I've known David for a really long time, I think about 10 years at this point. Um, David has a Bachelor of Arts in International Relations and a Master of Arts in Global Affairs with a concentration in Security Studies. And get this, y'all, his job title currently is mm. Security Operations Analyst. Yeah. That sounds really Tell important. me that does not sound really intense. I like to think it is. Um, uh, my, <laughs> yes. Are you guys familiar with Jack Jack Ryan, the character? <laughs> oh, no. No? Um, there's a few yeah. of them yeah. that Is were that made by. Well, oh, yes. He's, so he's in the Netflix. Uh, the the um. Oh my God. Uh, the uh, Amazon series. Uh, Jack Ryan. Um. So growing up, my brothers and I were like introduced to it by oh. our father. Like all of the different That's like, awesome. uh, Tom Clancy novels and movies. Uh-huh. And my brother likes to call me uh Black Jack uh, Ryan. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. I can't okay. tell you that. All right. Ooh. So you are classified. Ooh, all right. That's what you're trying to tell David. Okay. Well, I'm thank you for coming, David. Thank you for coming and being here with us, especially for this topic, too. All right. Well, this let's topic. get started, y'all. Listen, breaking news over here. And so we're doing things a little bit different today. Um, we're going to actually combine our shaking my head and black excellence just because of the news that you know we got this morning which is that NBA superstar Kobe Bryant and his daughter passed away in a plane crash yes. this morning it, it, it's been confirmed that uh, yeah. six other people yeah. so nine people lost their lives today in that oh crash oh my gosh him and his daughter being the uh, two mm. that um, have been identified. They're still waiting to get the other names out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people are coming out with their speculations. And I really think that's just terrible. <laughs> terrible. People but, are speculating? Yeah, somebody said Rick Fox and said that his oldest daughter um was also among the ones that were on on the on the helicopter and i just think that oh, wow um, we know that that's just not even appropriate you, you know like so what i mean what i find very interesting about some of this stuff is like in general when a lot of these things happen i feel like sometimes some family mm-hmm. members end up finding out about it on social media because people are so quick to like report Mm -hmm. like even before they have the whole entire information because obviously it's trending right now and I went on Snapchat and there was one that said oh he died in a helicopter crash and then there was another one that said Kobe Bryant was killed which like like he was a murder it was murder it seemed like you know someone murdered him yeah and I I feel that um, his his wife definitely knew before everyone because or his family because um 
it happened actually at nine o'clock this morning. It didn't break. The news didn't break till like one o'clock Eastern um, mountain time, which is three around three o'clock Eastern. Um, Mm -hmm. His uh, uh, it was first reported on TMZ. And I was like, I don't know. I don't believe this because I did see that on CNN. They had that there was a crash that occurred in Calabasas on like a hill or whatever. They didn't confirm. They didn't say anything about Kobe Bryant. So when mm-hmm. TNZ came out about it, I was all right. I, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the crazy. same thought because TMZ, you know, they be reporting some mess all the time. Isn't it interesting so. though that like our first inclination is to to think that can't possibly be true? Like we live in such a hyper connected, you know, period where like we get our news almost instantly, but we mm, still don't right. trust any of it. Yeah, it's true because, because there's a lot of fake news out there, though. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob said it to me, and the first thing I did was put it into mm-hmm. Google. And when I didn't see anything, I was like, oh, it's probably not real. Because right. <laughs> I was like, if it were real, it would be trending. And then yeah. two minutes later, I went back on again, and then it was trending. It, it you is know? Definitely, and so, definitely. Yeah, I don't know shocking because mm-hmm. i mean last night just last night his last tweet was to lebron james because mm-hmm. he passed him in um career career all-time score. points yeah all-time Scored. points on the scores list and um that's just yeah wow like you know yeah um so i mean like according to cnn um it was him his daughter and a other parents and other children on their way to a basketball tournament that he was going to be coaching. Right. So can you just imagine like being a dad, Mm. just super excited to be doing something fun with your daughter. And you know, this is the outcome. Like I can't even imagine what his wife is feeling right now. Cause Mm -hmm. she didn't just lose her husband. She lost a child. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so for me, too, like at the same mm-hmm. time, I mean, I think like, obviously, like death is a part of life. And but it's, al- yeah, it's always shocking yeah. for those of us who are still here. Like, do you know what I mean? But like, at the same time, too, though, like, I want to believe that like, he was happy. Because he was going off to do something like, I mean, you know, good and great. Been. And he was with his daughter, which you know, rest in peace. Because I feel like the last, the last few like celebrities that we've heard who were dying, it's usually like in some like, just like I don't like you know like there's like a drug Nipsey overdose hustle. or you know Nipsey what was that Nipsey Hustle was that his yeah like he got murdered you know or like there's just like a lot of like other mm-hmm. like negative energy surrounding it. Do you know what I mean? Like when like a lot of celebrity celebrities that have gone have gone but like with this one um I don't like you know I mean I'm not I'm not gonna try to speculate about like what all happened Mm -hmm. like if it was quick or you know whatever but you know I'm like at least like I want to believe like at least like you know between yesterday and this morning you know I think the hardest thing too is like it's like kind of different when it happens and it's so unexpected you know those are mm-hmm. I feel like those are like the hardest ones to deal with because you just come in shock. Like, you know, like it's not like with Alex Trebek. I mean, he has cancer and everyone's kind of like, whoa, let's go. Oh my gosh, you know? But this is like there was no so precursor. It was just like 
oh, Kobe Bryant's dead. Like, what? And so that shock, your heart just, like, sinks into your stomach. And you're like, what? You know, I think that that right there, the difference is just there was no preparation for it. And that's I guess that's how yeah. um, death works, you know? It comes when it comes, you know? Yeah, I mean, it also reaffirms to me, though, that life is, like, so short and unexpected. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you are holding on to grudges or like just on some petty BS, like let it go. And like Drew said, live your best life. Like, yeah, move forward. And maybe, maybe not even just pause Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. letting things go, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, truly working on improving things because I think, amen. I think a lot of times we, we get Mm -hmm. caught up in the idea of, you know, something is bad, you know, get rid of it. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. For a lot of things, that's, probably very Mm. good advice but at the same time there are things in your life that can be a benefit you know to you and it's not Mm -hmm. that the thing is bad it's that your interaction or your relationship with the thing or the person is bad and you need to retool it so I think that's something that we have to Mm -hmm. bear in mind too And, and this puts things into perspective you know I'm certain that when a lot of us go when we pass we leave things unfinished, you know, whether mm. by choice or, right. you know, by circumstance. And yep. it's important for us to, you know, try to tie up as many of those loose ends as we can well before our time comes. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that thought. I love the thought of like improving. That's something that I think we don't talk about often is like just improving ourselves and improving our relationships. I think you're right my first thought is always to just do like Elsa and let it go. But... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not, not that oh, something no. should not be let go. I mean, there's definitely a time and a place for it. Yeah, there's <laughs> a time and place for, you know, to kind of resolve mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. issues or things that you have with people that are important to you in your life. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. do what you can and that's it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I agree with everything that you guys are saying, but another route that I thought about it too, was in the sense of like opportunities that come to us that, you know, like that we just kind of push away and we don't like when something comes that's genuine and sincere to like see it through and like, cause you know how, um, what's her name? Um, Shonda Rhimes has that book, the year of yes. Um, it was this actually like, well, every time someone dies or like every time something like there's some kind of setback, it makes me think about that. Right. And about how, like, um, like, I know, like last year, a theme that I tried to have for myself was just being open to like whatever opportunities Mm -hmm. come my way, because sometimes we tend to like box ourselves in to like, this is who I am. And this is where I'm going to go when, you know, like you might have other strengths that might be, um, that might serve you better, like in a different like arena, but just being open to being able to like change and move around kind of, um, but to, you know, kind of, um, and, and this like segue with the black, um, excellence, I just kind of wanted to read some of, um, yeah, please uh, do. Kobe Bryant's, like his accolades, mm-hmm. like his accomplishments. So I'm just going to read like a few of them, which there's a lot. And like, can we I just mean, say like the Lakers? Yeah. He was I with them for 20 that was years. The only so I feel like he's, pr- they're probably yeah. missing a piece of them that he played on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so course. I'm pretty sure California is going to be great so. again. Like, you know, because Nipsey Hussle hit them really hard. Okay, so um, he was a five-time NBA champion um, in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2009, 2010. 
-hmm. appeared in seven NBA final finals, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2004, eight and nine and 10, two-time NBA finals MVP in 2009 and 2010, NBA most valuable player in 2008, um, two-time scoring champion, 2006, 2007, um, 18-time NBA All-Star, um, four-time NBA All-Star Game MVP, 15-time All-NBA Team Selection. The list goes on. Um, so, like, I mean, the, the, Oscar, the list goes on. <laughs> it does. So I'm going to go ahead and – yeah, so he wasn't just in one field. Oh, look at that year of yes. Like, he also veered into a different arena as well. Um, but, like, and I will say one thing um, that I guess, like, stands out to me is – just like I think I don't know if it was Navarlene or Sophia who mentioned how just yesterday he tweeted about LeBron surpassing him. And like, I want to acknowledge how big it is of someone to be able to acknowledge someone else like I'm passing the buck forward because a lot of people don't take that very gracefully. I'm not gonna um, mention any names in other arenas, but um, he did that very gracefully, and he he he, he did that very gracefully, and um, and girl, I'm talking about like Nicki Minaj oh, okay. and like Cardi. Like, listen, I mean, I'm glad you said we don't need to no soil idea. this with that. But anyway, um, so like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know, but I'm saying like it's so important for him to be able to do that and acknowledge it and sit proudly on it, knowing that he'd done his work in the NBA and that he retired and he was okay with someone else doing better than him, but he's still going to always be one of the greats, you know, and rest in peace, Kobe and his daughter, I believe it was Gianna. And um, yeah. And um, also like, you know, like our condolences and prayers, whatever higher power you believe in, energy towards his family now because that's yeah. that's a lot that they're going to be dealing well, with right now. Well, thank you guys for that discussion. I mean, I feel like I gleaned a lot from that actually. But I'm super mm. excited to actually be talking about our conversation, our topic for this week. We are going to be doing a series on the diaspora. Which is why we invited David to come join us for this conversation. Um, This is obviously a really complex topic. And so we've kind of broken it down. And today we're just going to, you know, have a little light chit chat about the diaspora. Specifically, we're going to be talking about blackness and what it means to each of us. So kind of to start with, we're all going to talk and identify ourselves, like what we feel comfortable being identified as. Okay, well, I'll go first. Um, So Mm -hmm. I am a proud Nigerian American. um, And the reason why I say proud, it's because um, I feel like for some people, that's not necessarily what they're comfortable with because my mom Mm. always tells me I'm caught between two cultures the Nigerian and the American um and which kind of gives the idea that I need to pick one and I don't feel like I need to so okay I'm a proud Nigerian American all right well I'll go next I am Haitian American both my parents were from Haiti 
Um, I will say that my first language was Haitian Creole, which I didn't even know realize that until I got like when I was until I was in high school. Um, and I just grew up in that. My mom came straight from Haiti and like the food and everything I was exposed to. And then also a mix of the American culture that I got from school. And so, yeah. Huh. Um, when somebody asked me about, like, my ethnicity, I always say I'm African. Um, and if they ask, oh, what part of Africa? Then I'm like, oh, I'm Ghanaian. Um, so I have a hard time saying I'm Ghanaian American or I'm African American. I always say I'm African first. Then if somebody's like, oh, uh, well, you don't have an accent at all, which is always what I get. I say, well, I've lived in the U.S. Mm -hmm. for quite a bit of my life. And actually, I'm a citizen of the United States. But I still identify as African. I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, David. Yeah, I know. I just thought it'd be funny. Oh man, which one is it? I think it's um Life Story of OJ. I think it is from by Jay Z. Um, where where it opens oh, up my. and you know he says, "I'm not black, I'm OJ," <laughs> and he just he just says, mm, "Okay," wow. but like I, I really I really resonate with it because <laughs> I am Black American, um, and I say Black American because I, you know, while it's very obvious that I have African heritage, um. You know, I have African heritage in much of the same way that, like, essentially everyone has Black, I mean, has a African heritage. I mean, Africa is the motherland for humanity. And as, you know, obviously I'm a descendant of slaves, but I have no family in Africa right now. I can't go mm. back and trace my roots over there. I don't have a, a actual tangible connection in the way that uh, Josephine and uh, Sophia do. So, you know, I have at times felt like I was missing out. But on the other hand, um, it is, it's, I'm very proud to be an American. Um, my, my country is obviously not without its flaws, but I've always felt that, you know, this country has provided a a great amount of opportunity for me and, uh, disproportionately, you know, my people and other people of color. Um, I, I, I say Black American. It's a funny story because I had a friend in high school who was in, who was actually African American, um, in in the same way you know that she was born in Nigeria, moved to the U.S., became a citizen, and could you know rightfully call herself an African American. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty severe with that title. So when I introduced myself as an African American, she was like, "Ah, uh, no, you're not." <laughs> uh you are a black American. What? He was snatching the edges. <laughs> like Well, I don't know if oh it was God. not, but David, I know it was, no, it wasn't you. you. <laughs> um no no no. It wasn't you. And and you know what? Like she didn't say it in a in a hateful way. And, and in fact it gave me a I think a brand new and very appreciated outlook on life. Because before then I had used the term African very carelessly. Um, and now I, I use it, you know, with, I think, the appropriate or at least more appropriate weight, um, you know, that it des- that it deserves. You know, I speak mm. about my African heritage, um, but I am not African. Um, and that's very plain to basically anyone who speaks to me for more than five seconds. So I, I definitely 
you know, identify as a black American, um, for, Mm -hmm. you know, the sake of that's, that's the only thing I've truly known. Do you think people have a difficult time? Like people here in the United States have a difficult time or it, it may be anywhere else in the world. Right. Because I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, uh, like African British or African German or you know what I mean like but for some yeah. reason here it's it's an issue because people say oh they're African American yeah. and to me when people say that I'm just like I'm just black you can yeah. say that that's uh-huh. fine do you think people have a hard time just saying that black person or you know what I mean is yeah. there some connotation with that I don't know if this is a uniquely American thing, a uniquely Westerner thing, or if this is just a human thing where we feel the need to delineate and, you know, uh, announce who we are almost to the T. Like, I feel like if we had the opportunity, you know, I'd walk into a room and say, my name is David Charles Miller. I'm a black American from Miami. I went to this school and that school. I have these degrees. I work at this place. Like we would get people our entire history if it meant that they knew exactly who and what we are for, I think, no other reason than just to say, I am not like you for whatever. What? 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 Oh, David, David, you have not met like a true, true Nigerian then because yeah, Nigerians that's true. are notorious for <laughs> giving their accolades and <laughs> like in history you know? <laughs> down to the team because like, and, but I think like um, the reason why that connection is there, I think is very much because like Nigerians are very proud, like very proud in being like, there's like a certain level of pride that goes in, I am Nigerian kind of situation. And I think Americans also feel that level of, you know, I'm American. Like, you Which know, like I, a, I get and I appreciate, you know, from the Nigerian side and certainly the American side. Um, the only issue that I start to see with that, because I mean, I'm a student of politics, I'm a student of government, uh, government, and I, I, look at you know what those trends tend to mean for you know society at large um pride is great pride with the sense of superiority is dangerous Mm. pride with the sense that primacy is is a breeding ground for conflict and i say that because i mean it's happened in every continent uh well every inhabited continent we can't count antarctica now can we unless the penguins are kind of rise up against us someday um they will well yeah because we're, we're screwing up the country we're screwing up the entire world right so, i mean yeah right they're coming they're coming for us. <laughs> it's, it's just desserts um no but i mean I, I i look at you know the the cultures in the east the cultures in the west the cultures in africa and one thing that i mean we have plenty of things in common obviously but one of the things that each of our you know, peoples have had in common at one point or another is that we believe that we were better than others for no other reason than because we were us. (laughs) So like that kind of mindset, I think, you know, keeps us from bridging, uh, you know, relations between one another. So I think it's important to have pride in where you came from. I think it's important to exude that pride. I think it's dangerous to take that pride to a point where it becomes, you know, for my government folks and politics folks out there, where it becomes a nationalistic, you know, pride, where it's like, I am better than everyone else because I am American. That's dangerous. Mm, I hear you on that. Do you think there's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Navarro. No, I was just thinking. I was like, where does that come from, though? 
Is that an innate, like, is that, do you feel that that's like, what do you think that comes, like, the insecurity? Because I could say I am, I have, like, again, I'm proud of where I come from, like, but I think when you're talking about, oh, better than this, like, we're automatically better because I'm Mm -hmm. this, I just think that's, like, that's an insecurity there. You know, it has to be, I, I feel, it has to be some level of insecurity of the, um, of not knowing also yeah. insecurity and ignorance yeah yeah it's 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 curious that you actually use the word insecurity because yes. you know in 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 my studies that was something that we talked about people mm-hmm. desire power because they have a sense of insecurity and the kind of catch-22 that's born out of it is that the more power you desire the more power that you're going to try to accumulate the more power you accumulate the more people around you feel insecure so the more you're accumulating, the more everyone else is feeling that they have to in turn. And so your pride becomes the fuel for pride in some, you know, someone else's, right? So like, right. if I'm very proud to be a miller, right, you know, I'm going to look at the bakers and I'm going to be like, well, they're a little too proud. <laughs> now they need to be, you know, tamed. I need to become stronger than them so they don't, you know, someday become a threat to me. And it's not that simple, but I do, I do think it's a very, you know, human thing. I mean, we see it, it, is. it, it, we can't, you know, limit it to just, you know, black people, or white people, but, you know, obviously those with power exercise this, you know, more often and more, uh, what's the word, severely than, uh, than those who don't have that power. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. In terms of, of, of identity, right? Like we've all identified what we feel comfortable being called. But there's this, like, PC culture, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, like, PC culture for, like, what you should feel comfortable being called. So I had a conversation with a friend a while back. And I said to him, so why are you offended if someone just calls you black? Mm. Right? And he said, well... I'm not black. My skin color is like a caramel type color. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be offended if they called me caramel, but oh my why God. they call me black, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what to y'all, I mean, I'm posing the same question to you. Like, would you be offended if someone just straight out was like, you're black? But are, but are white people straight white though? Like, are white people straight white? Oh, that's well, yeah, so that, like, that argument, obviously, I'm, like, does not really make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with being called Black. Um, however, I think that it depends on wh- what, I guess, what whoever the person who's calling me, who's identifying me as Black, so like, the context. What, the, what the ideas are the behind tone. them, right? Like, what you're saying. Yeah, the context, but also, like, I won't but I don't think like I would necessarily know what your context is. I just know what it means to be black for me. However, when I was at BYU and this is where like, I, I have an issue when it comes to identifying people. Right. When I was at BYU, um, I was in my psychology of gender, sociology of gender, one of those classes. And we were having um, a discussion on race and things like that. And this one, um, Caucasian, white, whatever you want to call it. Um, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. This girl. I don't. So <laughs> we're we're gonna come back to this because I. 
because no, 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 just the cold thing. Keep that. Keep we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. But any, I don't know none of it. <laughs> okay. 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 Well. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So this this girl turns to me and says to me, "So, Ooh, what do you guys, guys like to be called? Black, African American." And so she says this to me and I turn around and I look behind me because when she said you guys, I mm. assumed she meant a group mm. of people. But <laughs> seeing as I was one in the like in the class, I like I looked at her and I said, Well, I don't know what every person likes to be identified as, but I'm fine with you calling me black, mm-hmm. African American, or Nigerian American. And you could tell yet again, it went over her head. It went over her head. She was like, oh, okay. I just wanted to know because I don't want to offend you guys. And I'm like, so that's the problem, right? Is like, and I think that there's a certain level of like people not wanting to have that conversation in an individual Mm -hmm. level with each person they interact with, right? They want to just be like, well, can you guys just tell us what to call you? And it's like, well, just the way that I feel like, um, I'm Nigerian American, Sophia, and you stand strong in being African, and um, David stands strong in being Black American, and Navarlene is Haitian American. It's Pre- like have mm-hmm. a conversation with Pre- each of us. We're all different. I'm curious like, if you could best, sum up what you different. what you thought the issue was there. What would you say it, it was? Um, I would say ignorance. Um, like ignorance, first of all, but like a lack of. Like, like, I don't know, like, there's not this desire within to find out, like, on a deeper level what it is, right? Because, like, for her to turn to me, like, because that's also, like, a microaggression, right? Like, can you tell us you what like your people want? As if, you know, like, I represent... <laughs> can you speak? For yeah, reason? like, yeah, like, because, and then, I mean, the thing is that, like, in my time, in my time at BYU, I was used to being a token, right? So in each class... I represented the whole entire black race on this whole entire planet. And I'm sorry, you guys, sometimes I have disappointed. Well, it's okay. I, 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 I ain't no. perfect. Yeah, for real. We forgive you. We forgive you. <laughs> well, listen, I never asked. We never asked I never asked to. to represent anyone, okay? Like, <laughs> we've known each other a long time. You know what, David? Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for hazing me. Which you guys, okay, so when I was younger one time, my mom wrote a letter, like, because, you know, like, any young women, um, they had a thing where, like, mothers had to write a letter about their daughters. And you guys, can I just, like, let's go in with this, like, this is the whole pride of being Nigerian thing. My mom, the letter she wrote to me literally said, Josephine, don't forget, you are an ambassador for this family. (laughs) So wherever you go, you're representing us like and this just I mean, like, I feel like that's a perfect example of the pride that comes with being Nigerian, as in like, don't forget that wherever it is you go, you are you know, representing us. So come. I, I asked what, 100% you know, how you would sum time. it up, because I think that you're right. I do think that it is a problem of ignorance, but I, mm-hmm. I think that ignorance is too often, you know, treated as if it is a. as if it's hostile right like it is purely hostile whereas i see ignorance as generally like the very literal definition of it they don't know right and like there's a lot about you know uh not to use a blanket term but 
white culture that I, I simply don't know about. Like, I think that I know certain things about how I ought to interact or how I'm expected to interact. And then I learn something different and it's like, wow, that is very different from what I expected. But I think the key term there is what I expected, right? There's a perspective that we all have that is largely constructed of our preconceived notions, the stereotypes right. that we've seen on TV, the things that right. we've heard from our parents, the stories that our friends have shared with us. And we tend to treat these things as if they're fact when they're, they're not. I mean, I'm, I'm certain that, you know, in as much as, uh, let's call her Becky, and as much as Becky was trying to find, <laughs> find out as much about how to interact with Black folks properly, you know, in, in probably, in, you know, what you perceive to be a, a very haphazard, careless manner. Um, we're all a little guilty of that, aren't we? No, I mean, yeah, we are. We are. Um, David, I don't like. I agree with you up to a certain and I, and point, I, but then but I don't just, agree just with expound you. real quick. I mean, I think, real quick. Well, I'm guilty we, of that within my own we, folks. <laughs> so wait, I, I'll just say that. I'll, I want to say that I do think that you are correct, David. That we do have. I mean, ignorance is, yes, you don't know, but I think where we find the problem is when we have that, oh, we think we know. Because I feel like there's an arrogance that comes into it when you don't know, but you act like you know Mm. because of the stereotypes that you've been exposed to or the perspectives that people have shared. Um, People who are not in that group have shared with you. Mm. And... um, I think that in order for us to combat something like that, we would have to, you know, face things in a way as if we just don't know anything and just um, ask questions as as appropriately as we can. Mm -hmm. So we do become aware because for me, I see it just like education. Like there are a lot of things that I didn't know about the human body that I learned Mm -hmm. through school. Like I didn't, you know, and I didn't know why my body did this, you know, I, I had to be in certain situations in order for me to learn and I had to be open mm-hmm. to learning. Yeah. I had to be able to remove those preconceived notions that I may have had before in order for me to really kind of get an understanding or a learning of other people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, too, we say, oh, it was ignorance. But sometimes we be using that to give people excuses because it's not always that they're ignorant. Well, it, it, it's possible that they don't know. But sometimes someone has been presented with the opportunity several times mm-hmm. that at that point, you don't want to it's know. just you choosing not to know. Okay, because even though um, since we're talking about BYU and that experience, even though there are very few people at BYU, you, the chances of you actually running into a black person are rather high because we all know each other and we like to congregate together as a people because there's not much of us. Right. And so for her to be like, what do you people like being called? One, that's rude, rude. Because I don't go to Becky and say, Becky, um, what is you people's national I regret naming her Becky. 
Well, no, I but I mean, so we're sorry. all we're but we're all familiar with the Beckys and the Karens of the world. So I think of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like at that point, I think she's choosing not to know. I'm sure she's been presented with many opportunities. Now, Utah is a different beast. So maybe we shouldn't use Utah because there are some people in Utah that have generally never seen a black mm. person until they hit the BYU um, campus. Listen, I, okay. <laughs> so I feel like I agree um, with everything that's being said in a way, but I think like when it comes to ignorance, like I think that there's a certain level where like, Ignorant people tend to be the loudest and they're not oh. knowing, right, That's what it is, right? Long. Like, like, and I think that when you're ignorant, so like kind of like, okay, so for all of us, like there's a certain level of like step-by-step process, right? So when we were all born, you know, like before we started running, we had to walk, you know, like we had to learn our ABCs and things like that, right? But like at a certain point, you have to start seeking out that knowledge of your own accord, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in this day and age that we live in, I'm sorry, like, I don't think it's good enough to say like, oh yeah, you know that there are stereotypes that you see on TV. What are you watching? Like you, like you can't base your opinion or your knowledge on something based on one isolated experience that you've had. Cause that's exactly. just not fair. And yeah. like, cause, and I'm like, you know, and Sophia, you can say what you want to say about like, oh, you know, Utah's it's is in its own nutshell of like experiences. But, it truly is though. Well, no, it no, no, but hold on a second. Hold on a second. Here in Jacksonville, Florida, here in Jacksonville, Florida, the very um, first person that I interacted with in grad school, which I want to point out, I went to grad school in 2016, 2016, that was four years ago. That's when I started. And I had a conversation with one of my classmates who said to me, you don't sound like black people that I know. Oh, child. And I'm like, Lord. and that's not, that was not Utah. That was not Utah. And the thing is that that person did not realize like that is like, that is like that right there is the definition of like a microaggression. So first of all, she didn't even sound like white people that I know. So I was like, I'm confused. Which one is which? So but my thing is that like, but hold on. Okay. I'm saying yeah. like, based on my experience, I know that just because I've met one person who is this way, that looks this way, I know that they don't represent everyone else who looks like them. Yeah. I know What that. do you think she was expecting? Like, what was she expecting? Um, or what do you think she was expecting? Because we don't know. She never um, articulated what she was expecting you to sound like. But what do you think she was expecting you to sound like? The classic. The classic. What's the, but what's the classic? The classic ghetto. That is what I will say. That is because that is usual. Like even right now, like at my um, what? Well, actually, let me not give out any identifying information. I have someone who is in leadership that I interact with who tells me that I don't sound black when I talk. Like they tell me that, and I'm just kind of like, I I get what you're saying, David, when you say like ignorance, but I think that sometimes like I. Ignorance is only ignorance if you do it like maybe a couple of times, right? Right, Like a couple of times, but there's a certain level where it crosses over into being harmful. And at this point now, it feels like you're attacking me as a person. I don't, I don't want it to be mm. misconstrued that I think that people should be excused for being ignorant. 
Um, but I, I will say this. I had a band teacher uh, in the sixth and seventh grade. I'll never forget this guy. Shout out to all band kids. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know, he would ask us at the beginning of, uh, of class. He's like, practice makes what? And obviously all of us said, ah, perfect. And he's like, no, you're wrong. Practice makes permanent. The way you practice is the way that you're going to perform. And I took that lesson to be that the way I, I learned to interact is what I'm going to consider is correct. You know, I, I, I can't think of a specific example right now, but there are things that I learned as a child that I later learned in life were the incorrect way to do something. And I only learned it because someone corrected me. Um, I think that when we run into these, you know, instances, and it's really tough because like the onus should not be on you. The onus should not be on Averline or Sophia or David or Josephine to mm, correct all of, of the culture, ours or someone else's. But really as a society, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, in America, especially because we have, you know, I heard someone once say that we don't have a race problem in America. We have a racism problem in America. Um, mm. I think that what we need to work on is how to actually deal with the ignorance. Because once something is identified, if you don't have a remedy for it, all you're just doing is pointing out a problem. <laughs> like that's that doesn't do anything for it. It's like, hey, did you know your arm was cut off? Like, great. Like, what what are you gonna do to remedy that? You know? So right. that's yeah. what that's what you know I was trying to get at. That like, yes, there is an ignorance problem, but the only way that we could, you know, even bother to fight back against that is if we start, you know, telling people, hey, Becky, I, I need you to understand that, like, the way you said that, that's not appropriate. Like, a lot of people take that to offense. I take it to offense, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. you'd be surprised because, like, I've, ta I've talked to people and I've told them, like, hey, I, I, I wouldn't say that, man. Like, you're going you're gonna to say that to the wrong person someday and they are not going to be as kind as me. Um, I, I, I felt the appreciation from it. Not everybody, but I felt the appreciation. So okay, my... I'll go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, one of the things that I actually struggle with is not even from the Beckys of the world. It's from other mm. Black yeah. people saying things like, oh, you're an Oreo. Boy. You know, like, I have been called an Oreo since Same. And it was not... It was not the white people that were called mm -hmm. Oreos. It was all the black people around me. Like, I was never black mm -hmm. enough. You know what I mean? And I was always confused because I was like, excuse me, I'm from the motherland. Mm -hmm. I'm from the place you <laughs> wish to be. Like, if anybody is a representation of blackness, it is this girl right here. But yet, I always felt ostracized because maybe I was like taking AP classes or I was in honors or I did band, you know, or whatever it was. So I don't know, maybe my definition of blackness is different from everybody else's definition of blackness. So what are y'all's definitions for blackness? Because um, maybe I'm confused. Okay. So before I just want to circle back to what you were saying, David, um, about, informing people when we do have those type um have those type of situations that happen to us but i think another aspect to consider in that is that 
it can be exhausting. Yes. Because I remember I always felt that, oh, maybe that person didn't know that they offended me or that they did something that was wrong. And so I would make it a point to say something, but then they they would just continue and it would be just egregious. And then I'm completely drained mm -hmm. at that point. And so I think one thing to consider is if you are going to correct the action, you correct it, but also understand that they don't have to accept it. Yeah. And you don't have to sit there and use your energy to prove it to them. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Yes. And I would also like to, to say that I think we also need to be careful because I'm going to call us out right now. Using the word Becky, <laughs> using the word ghetto. I'm sorry. It's a stereotype. Why does ghetto need to be associated with black? Why is the word name Becky associated to white? You know, oh, when, I say, well, ghetto, I, mean, when I say ghetto, though, I'm not just like, I don't think ghetto yes, is, it is black people. I think anyone can be ghetto. Anyone, any Girl race preach. can be ghetto. Okay. It's, right. it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's an attitude. Ghetto is an attitude and it does not discriminate in who it appears mm -hmm. upon. It most often does, though. But yeah. No, I, I agree with Navarlene. You know, I think that as much as the word could be, you know, flexible, um, you know, or at mm -hmm. least the idea of who that word applies to could be flexible. I think that a lot of times, and I know, especially for me, like growing up, I got the, you know, you're an Oreo, uh, you're white, yeah. you know, like flat out from my people way more than I got it from anybody else. And it was because... I chose to speak mm -hmm. articulately. I was into the, you know, the nerdy things. Um, while everybody, you know, would rather. I remember going to uh, one of my brother's basketball games before, uh, and he wasn't like it, they were warming up, right? We got there way early, and I was reading. I, I like to read, and he was telling me that his teammates were giving him a hard time uh about me reading because they're like what what is your brother doing well who brings a book to a basketball game and it's like y'all weren't even playing yet i was over here like catching up on this before you know y'all did y'all think i'm over here watching basketball i like the same i like the same thing y'all like but because there's this other thing that i don't you know that i that i also buy into like that made me different and you know the ghetto thing i mean we use it I, and by we i mean black americans and i mean i mean black americans all right um mm -hmm. we use it mostly when we talking about us um and and we use it largely in a in a very derogative way um but the funny part about it is is that you're expected to behave at least in part that way in order to be kind of you know <laughs> universally accepted you have to have some aspect of it in order to be kind of you know like there's certain places you go where if you don't have Ooh, that that air about let's, you, let's so get into like the you're not welcome. Ghetto culture, like understanding, <laughs> you know? is what you mean. Like mm. you have to at least understand or buy into it in some form or fashion. Yeah, and I think it's gotten better. Like I, I've noticed, you know, there's a shift where it's not as, you know, necessary. I think now to to interact with, uh, uh, you know, our people, hmm. well, but it is still, I think, a problem. Look, <laughs> like, there's so much to even say because, you know, I remember what I when I um, 
was elementary school, I went, oh, this is ghetto. Um, and when I learned about the Holocaust and they said the word ghetto, I was like, what? What? Ghetto Holocaust? White people? What? It just yeah. didn't make sense because it was always associated with people of color. Well, so, so I think and we're getting really- very like caught up on the word ghetto mm-hmm. because I think like mm-hmm. ghetto is okay. So maybe the word ghetto goes with black, but I think that white has their own definition of what ghetto is. And I mean, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say like with white people, they say white trash. Do you know? Like, so I'm like, I feel like with everything within every racial makeup that there is, there's a name for whatever the, I guess, what would be considered the, I don't know, maybe undesired like characteristics is what it would be. But, in black culture, is ghetto really undesired? Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. we 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 glamorize it, right? Like, and yeah. mm-hmm. what? I'm sorry. I'm gonna need clarification <laughs> yeah. on how we glamorize ghetto. I I think you're you're about to throw shade. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Y'all about to throw look shade. look at look at hip hop. Look 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 at look at hip hop. You know, I mean, less so now, right? But once again, look at hip hop culture um, from the mid '90s through especially the early 2000s, right? It glamorized this very, you know, uh, stereotypical, you know, No, I'm going to need you guys to get Like, if you did not behave that way, I got so much Like, how are we glamorizing ghetto? (laughs) So, so for instance, especially for boys, right? Like, if you weren't wearing your pants saggy, if you you know didn't have a chain if you don't ha- if you didn't have the newest you know Jordans and if you didn't speak with you know if you didn't drop the G on every word that had it in there or you know everything dropping the G thing, at the end like, of words is ghetto well I thought yeah. that was just a so instead of saying going you say gonna or going <laughs> No, because I've been doing this no. for years, and people have told me that I dropped the G. No. I was like, it's just because I grew up in Miami. I don't know it was ghetto. That's a Miami thing. I'm sorry. No, no, it granted. is not. Yeah, it is. No. Everything. Yeah, it is. Folks, because folks, I didn't no. grow up in the ghetto in Miami, and I dropped the Gs. Listen. No, 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 no. Folks, I, I kid it's you not. not. I got it's plenty not. of family southern throughout rain. the South. That's okay? a southern thing. That's how we talk. But that's, <laughs> no, so it's a, it's, no, but that that's, doesn't mean it's a ghetto. Thing. I mean, but I, I'm not saying it necessarily is, but I'm saying that we often, you know, attribute it to it. You know, whether it is or isn't, isn't necessarily, I think, the point. I think that when people conjure up the word ghetto, they have a very stereo, and that's why I use the word stereotype, not like an identifier, right? They have a very stereotypical way of looking at it. And those are those are some of the qualifications. And once again, I, I stress that it is less prevalent now. I think our society is slowly moving away from applying those stereotypes across the board. And I mean, you know, largely within, you know, uh, the Black community. But it is still something, you know, it's, it's funny where, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, uh, in my grandma's house. She lives in Liberty City. All right. Liberty City. When I was younger, 
you know, the way that people dress, the, the way that people acted, people, the, the way that people, you know, walked around. For those of you guys who aren't familiar, Liberty City is a, a neighborhood in, in Miami. Um, the ads where you see the palm trees and the people in bikinis, Liberty City looks nothing like it. Don't go there. Um, it's, it's not a vacation stop. Um, yeah, but, but you know, I, I accustomed or I grew up accustomed to that being ghetto. Why? Because the people who lived there said it was ghetto. Like they said it and they said it with a, you know, kind of matter of factly, almost proud air about it, mm. where it was like, this is how it should look. This is who we are. I didn't agree with it, but like, because I wasn't that way, you know, uh, uh, because I didn't fit neatly into that mold. I was often ostracized and I've seen people ostracized because they did not fit into that mold. And, and that's what I mean, whether or not those attributes are, you know, truly ghetto or not, we have come to co-opt it in order to portray that. Mm. And not just us, but reclaiming cultures outside it. of our own. Um, I don't, well, I don't think we necessarily need to reclaim everything, but okay. Uh, I, I mean, and I agree. I don't think we need to either. Ah, but this has been an amazing conversation. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for joining us, David. We'll have to have you back. We didn't even get through half of the things we <laughs> wanted to discuss just because. Uh- <laughs> I told y'all at the beginning, yeah, y'all need to stop because sometimes I, so <laughs> I talk too for long. Joining us and every, we will definitely have you. Back it was a pleasure. You have lots of great insight. Um, Justine, you want to. Hit us with the mindful minute for this week. Um, yes, actually, for the mindful minute, I just thought I would read um, um, a Kobe Bryant quote. To end All us right, with. let's do it. Okay, <clears throat> so he said, "As I sit here now, when I take off my shoe and I look down at my scar, I see the beauty in it." I see all the hard work, all the sacrifices. I see the journey that it took to get back to this point of being healthy. And I see beauty in that struggle. That's what makes it beautiful. So I think that I just want us to kind of end on the note of appreciating the journey because you never know when it's going to come to an end. So be present, be mindful, appreciate everything. Ah. Thank you. That was a beautiful thought. Well, thanks for joining us, guys, for another episode. Be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Please feel free to subscribe. Also, email us at shadingdaculture at gmail.com. Again, that is shadingtheculture at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.